Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 346 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds today. And this week, I'm going to be talking about money. I'm also going to be talking about time because I do think there's a connection, a strong connection between where we spend our money and where we spend our time. Um, But I'm really passionate about you know, talking about money. This is not the first time on the show, by the way, I've talked about money. Last year around this time, I did an episode on my four-part framework to release money blocks. So if money just feels like really icky or uncomfortable, or you hate talking about money, you hate thinking about money, or you hate dealing with money, or you think it's like a necessary evil or whatever, you know, anything along those lines, then I definitely recommend you listen to that episode as well. It'll go along really nicely with this episode. We'll put that link in the show notes. But if you're searching on your podcast app. The episode is called My Four Part Framework to Clear Your Money Blocks. And I dropped it almost a year ago uh, to the day. So February 10th, 2022. So um, this is just, you know, another way or another piece of the puzzle that I think is um, super important. You know, I'm a Capricorn. I've talked a lot about being a Capricorn (laughs) on the show. And so maybe that you know, maybe I do have just like this innate love for personal finance and strategizing and making decisions and 401ks and investing and budgeting and saving and paying off debt, all those things. I just love talking about those things. I literally can nerd out and talk about those things all day long. But I also find it really fascinating and also important to look at your relationship to money. I really believe that we relate to money, the people we date, and also our body slash food in very similar ways. And I think that is because in the society that we live in, we live in a society where those three things measure your self-worth. Now, to be clear, 
everyone's self-worth is intangible, right? Like you can't put a number or a value or anything along those lines on it. However, that's not the society that we live in. And we often, especially as women, derive self-worth by whether or not we are in a relationship or married, by how much money we have in our bank account, and also the size of our dress or you know, body size, all that kind of stuff. And so it takes a lot of inner work, I find, to decouple self-worth from those three things. And they're really, really similar. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And specifically from the perspective of like where you spend your time with who you date and also where you spend your money. I think you can look at those things through very similar lenses. Obviously, they have very different tangible things that you would do or not do. One is literally spending money. One is who to swipe right on, who not to swipe right on, all those things. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. Before we get into all of that, I just want to take a quick pause for a couple of reminders. One, as always, it helps so much if you leave ratings and reviews on the podcast wherever you listen to the show. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all of those things really helps. It tells the podcast gods and goddesses that people like this show and helps get it in front of more women like you. So if you have not tapped the stars or left a rating or review, I would be so, so grateful if you did that. It literally takes a couple seconds, especially like on Spotify, all you can do is tap stars. Um, And if you're on Apple Podcasts, taking 30 extra seconds to leave a review. And honestly, even on Apple Podcasts, you can just tap stars and call it a day. Both of those things are super helpful. Obviously, leaving the actual review on Apple Podcasts helps a ton. So if you are one of my Apple Podcast listeners, which I know most of you are based on the statistics that I get (laughs) from this podcast. It would just be mean a lot to me personally, but also it really would help me out. So I'd really, really appreciate it. And the second piece of business is this week, the week that I'm releasing this podcast, I am hosting my annual Date Yourself Challenge. And at the end of the Date Yourself Challenge, I'm going to be inviting everyone into my annual Love Incubator program. My Love Incubator program is a one-on-one program with a group experience. So if you've thought about working with me, have wanted to work with me, but either just hasn't been a good time or working with me one-on-one has just been, um, you know, financially, you wouldn't be able to make it, then the Love Incubator is a really, really wonderful chance to work with me very closely in the most economical way by a long shot. So, you know, when you work with me one-on-one, ultimately the framework of the packages is we have two meetings a month, and then you have endless Voxer messaging with me, plus access to my courses for extra support and resources. And I formulated the Love Incubator to be very similar format, where you get one one-on-one call with me a month, and then we have one community coaching call a month. And this is not like you have to elbow your way up to the front of the room to ask me questions. It's a round robin. Everyone gets their time. And that way, you know, you can obviously be coached and we can check in with where you are. And then you can also listen to the other women being coached and sometimes hearing their own stuff um, helps you like, oh, yeah, actually, that applies to me too. That wasn't a question I didn't even think to answer. Or sometimes you can listen to someone else's problems and be like, oh, well, they should definitely do da 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 da. And you're like, <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> me too. Right. So there's lots of value in the group work, um, which is another added benefit of the Love Incubator. And then we have a private WhatsApp group throughout the program so that you can get support and get help from both me and also the other women in the program. And it's always such an amazing community, so supportive. I love, love to run it every year. And unlike my one-on-one, which is rolling, 
The Love Incubator obviously has some hard deadlines because we have, you know, a start and stop date with everyone in the program. And I keep it nice and small and intimate so that one, I can just, you know, I can give everyone the time and attention that they need from me. Um, And also I like to keep it small so it's not overwhelming. And especially for those of you who feel a little bit more introverted or maybe intimidated by sharing your stuff with other people. I do keep it as a small group because I think I think that helps. And you know, if you are listening and thinking, "Ugh, I don't want to talk about my stuff with other people," you know, I get it. And if that's you, then maybe one-on-one is the right way to go. But also, I want you to look at that because sometimes it can actually help to heal some, you know, the female wound, as I as I call it. Um, a lot of times, you know, with other women in our life, we can have like this kind of competitive energy or just some, you know, blaming or like toxic kind of talk around dating and relationships and men and all that kind of stuff. And this is just a really supportive way to talk about dating to talk about relationships with other women who are on the same path as you. And I think there's so much healing and growth that can happen from that. So I'm releasing this episode in the middle of early to mid-February. Enrollment is open right now for the Love Incubator. And enrollment closes either when the seventh woman enrolls or at the end of the month, whichever happens first. So there's no hard deadline. It's just when the spots fill, then it's gone. It fills every single year. So if you're listening to this and are interested, even if you're not like 100% sure you want to do this, but maybe you're like, thinking about it or 60% sure or 70% sure, I really want you to get your application in sooner than later so we can get on the phone and chat about it. And then from there, you can make the final decision as to whether or not this is the right program for you. So to learn more, including all of the details, the program dates, you can read success stories, as well as your pricing options, all of those things, I want you to go over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. That's all one word, love incubator. And there you can read through the program. And then towards the bottom of the page, there's a link to a form you'll fill out. You'll fill out that form. And then once you submit that form, that will forward you to my calendar where where you'll then schedule your incubator exploratory call. I do exploratory calls with everyone who is interested in joining because again, of the small nature, intimate nature of the program, I want to make sure that it's a good fit um, for both you you and me. And it's also just important for you to chat with me to make sure that it is, you know, something that you want to do and invest money and time into. So again, the link is veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. There are already spots filled at the time that I'm recording this and spots will fill. They do every year. Um, I keep it small for a very specific reason. So please don't delay if you are interested. Again, that link is veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Okay, so let's get on to the topic with today's episode. Really excited about it. All right, so I've talked a lot before about my dating life and how ultimately I did a lot of healing and accidentally met my husband as a result of that healing. One thing that happened is I moved to Washington, D.C. I had just finished working on the Obama campaign and I kind of joked that I was like a woman on a mission. I really wanted to meet someone. And almost all of my prior years to that, when I was dating, I was very accommodating, right? If someone was being a little aloof or not, you know, forthright in what they wanted or their feelings or asking me on a date or just, you know, otherwise being kind of sketchy or red flaggy, we'll just, we'll just use that as just the blanket term. 
I kind of went along with it, right? I don't think I consciously saw it like this, but I think in some ways I saw it a little bit as a game to win because if I could, it was like this fixed upper fantasy, right? Like if I could turn this emotionally unavailable person into someone who wants to be with me and likes me, then like that would just do wonders for my self-worth, right? And I see this all the time. I think this is super common. This is certainly not unique to me. And if you're listening to this and you can identify with that, it's also not unique to you. And I just say that to hopefully make you feel a little bit better that nothing's wrong with you. You're not crazy. Again, I think it's like the whole thing about how we derive self-worth in our society. And a lot of women are trained to derive self-worth through their bank account, through their body size, and then also whether or not someone likes you back, right? Okay. So when I moved to Washington, DC, I was like, I was like, all right, it's I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm done playing all of these games. And I not consciously at the time, but like I just decided like I wasn't gonna deal with like any bullshit. You know, I basically had what I call now a zero tolerance policy, meaning that the moment someone just kind of seemed like kind of kicking the can down the road, not really wanting to get off the apps and have a phone call or to meet in person, or they weren't really being forthright in what they wanted or what they were looking for, or they just kind of had this aloofness about other parts of their life too. Like I was just out. I didn't, you know, pass go. I didn't collect $200. Like I was just out. I was gone. I was out of there. And I really do believe that made a huge difference for me. Because in the past, when I was overly accommodating or like, well, I'll eventually get him or, you know, we'll have sex and then, you know, he won't want to be without me and all of the, you know, all of these beliefs that I created, all these fantasies that I created in my head. Ultimately, the only thing that I accomplished was wasting a ton of time, energy, and emotion because the longer I would invest in someone trying to, you know, get this win, trying to get them to like me back, then I became emotionally invested, even if they weren't giving any of that emotional investment back, right? And so it just became a more painful process to get this person to like me, to get this person to like me, to get this person to like me, to get their attention, validation, all of those things time and energy that I could have spent on somebody who actually was interested in me, that actually wanted to date me or explore if there was something long-term there. And this is the goal that I have for all of my clients. I want all of my clients to develop a zero tolerance policy, right? Like if you meet someone on the apps and you're texting and you seem to like them and you're like, hey, like we should move this conversation off texting, let's get together. What does your week look like? Or what's your weekend look like? Or let's talk about this over drinks or coffee or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm busy. Like, I just want you to be like, okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) And not like continue the texting or continuing to like figure out schedules, just be done. Right. Because you have so like your energy is so finite, right? And ultimately, and time is finite as well. Um, The more you can save it and spend it on the right people. And I mean, right, as in like, no one's more or less worthy, but right in terms of like they're available and they're also interested in getting to know you too. I think you're just going to save yourself so much freaking sanity as you date. Now, to be clear, sometimes I have noticed, I don't notice this in all my clients, I don't think it's a pattern for everybody, but there, but there definitely is a common pattern where you're looking for things to be wrong as an excuse to be out, right? Like, oh, they 
picked up their fork weird. I'm just making something up, whatever it is, right? Like it's this really inconsequential, not a big deal kind of thing. I have noticed that to be a pattern where sometimes clients will look for something um, because then they can reject that person first. And then that ultimately keeps them safe from being rejected or heartbroken or all of those things, or like justifies this story or adds further evidence in the story that all men suck or dating sucks or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm not talking about that. Okay. I don't want you to look for stupid things or dumb things or whatever as to be reasons as to why a relationship or a person isn't right for you, right? I'm truly looking for either bad behavior, sketchy behavior, aloof behavior, non-committal behavior, like those types of things that I just want you to just have zero tolerance for and just move on, right? You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to make a big thing about it. You don't have to have a big conversation. It's just like, okay, I can clearly see we want different things. That's cool. Best of luck. I'm going to move on with my life. Really, I I really want you to approach it with that kind of energy. Now, I know that there will probably be some inner work involved with that because, you know, again, we live in the society that we live in and we do tend to tie in self-worth with around people liking us back. So I understand there is some inner work and that's also why I talk about inner work all the freaking time on this podcast. But I do want you to see this as the goal. And for some of you, like you will need to do some inner work around this so that you can just quickly cut something off if it's not the right fit or not on the same page or whatever. And then some of you, all you'll need to do is hear me say it and like a switch will flip and it'll be like, oh yeah, I'm not dealing with that bullshit anymore. Right. And I would say, I think that's what happened for me. I think, I mean, of course I had been doing a lot of inner work on and off at the time. So it's hard to say like, did that inner work allow me to eventually just like be able to flip the switch? I don't know, maybe, but I do think something just switched in me when I moved to DC and I was like, I'm not fucking around anymore. I really want to meet my person. And so I just didn't, right? Like I would go on a date and I'm like, do I see this going long-term or like, are you acting kind of shitty or aloof or whatever? And if the answer to that was yes, then I was out. Okay. So now I want to shift to talking about where you spend your money because I do think there's actually a really strong relationship. So for me, part of the reason why I would give people chances over and over and over again, or try to get them to like me or have that fixed rubber fantasy or whatever it was, is because I had a I had a lot of scarcity around dating. Like, ooh, maybe this is the best I can get. Or is there anyone else better out there? Is there anyone else at all out there? Is everyone else already taken, right? So there's all this scarcity, which I do think fed that pattern of just trying to make something work with whoever was right in front of me rather than letting that person go and then moving on for or to someone uh, someone else. And, you know, I did a lot of money work. I've never done like money mindset or money healing kind of work until I started this business. But then once I did, I was like, whoa, (laughs) the parallels were just uncanny. And I realized that I had a very similar relationship with money. I always had this fear around money that there was never enough and that I was like one step away from living on the street. Now, to be clear, for me, this has never been the case. Okay. So I do know that the reality is for some people that money is really tight and you really might be one step away from living on the street. But I think for a lot of people who have a lot of fear and scarcity around money, that is not the reality. It is just something that you inherited from your family of origin, possibly society too. Um, But for me, it was very clear that this scarcity thing ran rampant, definitely in my love life and also in my money life or my finances. 
And even when I was younger, like in college or my 20s, and I didn't have a lot of money, I didn't have the years of savings behind me that I had now where I had, you know, shit salaries living in expensive cities. I was still fine because at the very worst, I had a safety net in the form of my parents. So all of this scarcity was largely in my head that I inherited from my family of origin. So if this is beginning to sound like, oh, there might be some inner child work to do around money, that's because there is, right? Like, again, we relate to money in a very similar way that we relate to getting loved, feeling loved, feeling chosen, feeling accepted, all of those things. And so I do think that, you know, all the episodes that I have on this podcast about where I talk where I talk about inner child work and how to do the inner child work and tracing things back and connecting the dots and all of those things, you could absolutely replace the word money with love or relationships, you know, anything along those lines, you could replace those words and like, okay, fine, you might have to do a little bit of editing, but more or less, it would still make a lot of sense. So that's why I want to talk about money, because I do think that money is like this taboo kind of topic, especially for women where it's uncomfortable or it's wrong to talk about because it makes you greedy or selfish or who wants to talk about money because I'm above that or I'm better than that or or whatever. And I think all of that's bullshit because I think ultimately what that causes you to do is it causes the money to run you rather than you run your money. And just like how when you date, I want you to run your time, right? Like I want you to say, yes, I would like to see you or no, I don't want to see you anymore. This, you know, this is over, right? Like you are in control of that. Obviously, like you're not in control over whether or not they want to see you back or whether they like you back. I get that. But in terms of your actions, I want you to feel in complete control over rather than, oh, I need to do this so that they like me. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Back, And I think a lot of times women have that kind of relationship with money where they're making decisions based on, well, they're not really making decisions. The money is forcing them to make decisions rather than let me actually control my finances, where I'm at, where I can spend money, where I don't want to spend money, where I can't spend money, where I need to pay off this debt, where I should invest or whatever, just so that you feel more in control of it. Because I think that will help actually build your self-worth. Because if you're waiting for some magic number to show up in your account to where you feel like, oh, I'm good with money, or I know how to handle money, or I feel good enough now, like that magic number never, ever exists. You have to start stepping into that role yourself. And I do actually believe that when you start stepping into that role yourself, then your money does grow. Because when your money runs you, 
versus you run your money, then what happens is I think it's actually harder to grow that number for lots of very practical, tangible reasons, not even like law of attraction BS kind of stuff, but for very practical, tangible reasons. Because if your money runs you and you're scared of it, or you feel guilty about it, or you don't want to talk about it, or you think it's weird or uncomfortable, or again, whatever that word is for you, then you may not know much about investing. You may not know much about 401ks versus Roths versus high yield interest accounts versus bond accounts versus all these different opportunities you have to really make the most of the money that you have. You might also, like I did for a little bit when I first quit my job and I wasn't making money in this business, I was like, ah, all money's scary. (laughs) So I stopped opening the mail and I missed some bills. I actually got dropped from my health insurance, which is a whole long story I won't get into. And so, you know, that obviously costs money, right? When you when you miss bills or when you don't see things or whatever, because then there's going to be late fees and late charges. And if it's a credit card bill, then there's going to be interest there. So it actually costs money to not be um, in control of it. And then the other thing that I find happens is when you run your money, then you know exactly where every penny goes. And I firmly, firmly believe every penny has a purpose. And this is really getting into budgeting, right? And I think a lot of people resent budgeting because because they think like it's restrictive or it's something that they have to do because they're quote unquote not rich. And I believe that rich people either get rich or stay rich because they know exactly where all their money is going, right? Like you hear all these stories around people who didn't have a lot of money or any money and then they won like the lottery or they became like this famous like star athlete all of a sudden had all this money and then spent all this money because they didn't learn the foundations, the tools of like, what do I do with this money? How do I spend it? How do I maintain it? How do I grow it? All of those kinds of things. So I think these are tools and things you should know, no matter if you have a dollar in your bank account or a million dollars in your bank account or anything or anything else. So every penny has a purpose. And here's the thing, when you're running your money, every penny has a purpose, then you can spend your money and then save your money much wiser. So here's what happens when you don't have a budget or when you or when you're just like scared of money or like don't want to have a budget or don't know where your money is going or all of those things. Then let's say you're like, I don't know, you're at the grocery store and you're grocery shopping and you see something like that's a little bit more expensive. It's like this nice kind of sauce, or maybe like it's a wine, like a fancy wine, or maybe it's like a cut of meat that's kind of pricey. And you're like, oh, that's kind of expensive, but I really want it. That would taste so good. And I'm making this thing and that would go really well. And you kind of just mull around it, right? And so for some of you, if you don't, again, know where your money's going, money, every penny doesn't have a purpose, then you might just ultimately deny yourself you know, the pleasure of buying whatever it is that you wanted to buy. And then I think over a long term, when you just say, oh, I can't afford this, I can't afford this, I can't afford this, and you never buy anything for pleasure, then I do think that can create some problems because then you can become resentful of money, you can become resentful of where kind of where you are because then you're just not allowing yourself to experience any kind of thing that you spend money on just for fun, just for pleasure, right? On the flip side, you might see this again, this fancy bottle of wine or this fancy cut of meat or whatever the expensive, you know, the more expensive thing than normal that you would normally buy at the grocery store. You might, you might see that and then you might, ah, ah, screw it. I'll just get it. Who cares? You know? So that, that would be the other end of the spectrum of, of what you could do. And then you might actually be spending more money than you actually have. Or you might buy the thing, but then you feel really guilty about spending it because you don't actually know 
if you can afford this expensive thing that you just bought. These are all examples when your money is running you. Your money is either forcing you or putting high pressure on what to spend or what not to spend. And I have been there and it is like just the stress and the guilt when you do actually spend the money is horrendous. And I don't wish that upon anyone. And I really want you to know that you do not have to live like that. Even if, again, you're not making the money that you want to make, or if you have debt or whatever it is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get really clear on what's important to you and where you want to spend money and then cut ruthlessly in the areas that you're like, you know what, that's just not important. And one way you can do that is by just looking at your your statements, like your credit card statements over the past several months. So, you know, the holidays, I know that's like a little bit in the, the rear view mirror, but not too far. Not always the best time to look at your spending habits because spending habits can be a little different <laughs> in the month of December. So maybe you, you can look at from, I don't know, July to November from last year or something like that. Where have you spent your money? Tally it up. How much did you spend on groceries? How much did you spend on going out to dinner or going out to drinks? How much did you spend on concert tickets? How much did you spend on vacation? How much did you spend on clothes? All that kind of stuff. Just like look at it. And then how do you feel about that? Right? Now, I want you to not just go into like, oh my God, I spent so much money on vacation or I spent so much money on going out and just like, I don't want to do that at all anymore. Because the thing is, is that you might actually really like to go on vacation or you might really like to go out to eat. It might be really a fun experience in a time when you can either meet people or connect with people. You know, I've been doing this myself and over the past several months, you know, holidays being, you know, the exception, we've been spending a lot of money going out to eat. And while I do enjoy going out to eat, the amount of money that we've been spending is beginning to outweigh the value that I have in going out to eat, right? Like the more you go out to eat, then it's like it becomes less of an experience or less special because it's like something that you're always kind of doing, right? And so, you know, we're going to be cutting that budget Um, not to zero, because again, like, I'm also alive now, I don't have to save everything for retirement, like, it's important to have pleasure and allow my money to do that um, for me right now. So it's not that we're cutting those budgets or that number to, to zero, but we're just doing something that feels more in alignment with the value that I have around going to eat and then like matching that to an actual number. And then that becomes how much money I want to spend each month or each quarter on having experiences like that. And you can look at that across the board, whether it comes, you know, again, to to groceries. And sometimes with groceries, there's only so much you can cut there, but, you know, obviously you need to eat. But, you know, there might be some, you know, things that you can cut, especially if you are guilty of like, you know, buying a box of salad and then having it go bad, (laughs) which I know a lot of people do. Um, You know, there, there can be some things there. Or maybe you really do love to travel and to go on vacation, but maybe you're like, you know what, like, it's actually just feeling a little exhausting to go on trips that much. So I still want to do it, but I just want to cut back or or whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter. You get to look at your budget and then, or your numbers, and then kind of adjust accordingly. Now, obviously, you will want to have like, what's the total number, right? Like, what's the total number that you have each month? Like, how much do you take home from your paycheck or whatever? And then, you know, the sum of all of your the values that you ultimately put will have to, you know, 
equal the total amount. If you make a different amount every month, like let's say like you're paid hourly and it just depends if you're working overtime or how many hours or whatever. What I did when I did that, when I worked at the law firm, I didn't have just like a set you know, rate that I got every month because sometimes I worked overtime, sometimes I worked less and all that kind of stuff. I just had a baseline number and then anything over that baseline, what I did, I mean, you can do what you want, but this is what I did if you want to, you know, steal it, is depending on how much I would take a certain percentage and that would just be fun. Like I worked extra, I'm going to go out or I'm going to buy this thing. Usually it would be me involving uh, buying sushi. That's pretty much like how I treat myself. It's like, if you want to like, if you don't want to know the way to my heart, just buy me sushi and all will be well. So probably the extra, the, the extra fun money would just go to, you know, getting really expensive sushi or an obscene amount of sushi, one of the two or both. And then from there, I would um, work towards financial goals. So at the time I had student loans. So I would probably put a little extra towards student loans. And then I would put a little extra towards my 401k. I was already maxing out my Roth, so I couldn't put more money there. Um, or if I needed to rebuild my retirement, I'm not my retirement, my emergency fund, I would um, put money there. So generally, I would spend most of the extra towards long term financial goals. And then I would have a little bit of fun money just to like, you know, have have fun with. So again, if your income every month is fluctuating, have that baseline and then anything over that baseline a little bit of fun, and then put towards, you know, bigger goals, whether it's paying off debt, or saving for an emergency fund, or putting extra towards retirement, you know, I think I think those are good things to do with the extra. So the whole idea with every penny has a purpose is, you know, a lot of like personal finance gurus are all like, gosh, there's this like, Oh my God, I can't remember. I think it was in the New York Times, but, or maybe the Atlantic or whatever. But there was this article about how all these millennials are spending so much money on avocado toast. And like, and then like someone did the math of like how much avocado toast costs. And then like if you took all those avocado toasts and instead put them into a retirement account, like what would that grow to? And I think all of those things are bullshit. Whether or people use the latte example, right? Like if you buy a coffee every day, like here's how much that could be in 30 years if you put it into a retirement account or whatever. And I think all of that's bullshit because I think a lot of like the, and I love Susie Orman, but I, but one thing that drives me crazy about her is she's just like cut, 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 right? And I think that's a really shitty way to live. Um, first of all, just on a very like morbid tone, like no one's guaranteed a retirement, you know, you might not live that long. Hopefully everybody does. Hopefully I do. But that's also the reality, you know, so I think you have to balance pleasures today with also being smart about the future. And so the beauty about every penny has a purpose is that you can make smart decisions like paying off debt saving for retirement, saving for a down payment, whatever the goal is that you have, while also enjoying life guilt-free. Because if you're just like constantly have this like thing in your head around like, don't spend money, don't spend money, don't buy that coffee, don't go out to eat, don't go on that vacation, don't do this thing, don't do that thing, because like you have to save, save, save and not spend. I I just think that's a really shitty way to live, right? And so I want you to spend generously in the areas that are important to you. And then that will, and then, and then cut in the areas that are less important to you. And that will give you money, you know, to invest in, you know, again, retirement accounts, paying off debt, all of those kinds of things. So for me, I spend very generously 
on self-care, personal development. So coaches, programs like that, um, my therapist, body work, like skincare, like I spend a lot. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we've cut we've cut back a lot on going out to eat, not to where it's like zero. Cause again, I still enjoy that. I don't buy any clothes. Like I just don't like I wear the same clothes over and over. When I do buy clothes, I tend to buy things that are a little bit more expensive, but they last for like forever. Um, I just, I don't know. I just don't buy that many clothes. I don't really care to. Um, it's just not that important to me. I don't go to concerts. I don't really go to events where you have to spend money. <laughs> I just don't care to. I'd rather just invite somebody to come over and hang out. And like, I'll even buy the friggin' bottle of wine, you know, that costs $10 at Trader Joe's, then go out to eat or go out for drinks or go to something. Um, because one, it feels more appealing to me as an introvert, but then also like it just fits in with the values as to where I want to spend and where I don't want to spend. I think a lot of times in addition to spending um, money, we can feel guilted into spending money. Like if your friends are going out to eat, um, you can just invite friends over instead, right? Because that's cheaper, even if you're the one like making dinner, right? It's still cheaper than going out to eat and buying your own meal. And I also think sometimes we emotionally spend, right? Like with online shopping. And so I'm not saying don't, I'm not even saying don't do online shopping, just look at the number, right? And so when you're deciding if you can afford that pair of shoes that just came up across your Instagram ad, and you don't look at your bank account as to whether or not you can afford those shoes. You look at your budget. Like, have I maxed out my discretionary spending this month? And if you have, then cool, save the link and then go next month and buy those shoes that you wanted. And you might even want the, not want those shoes anymore, <laughs> you know? So this is all the beauty, but I could keep going, but I am going to wrap up here. So basically, I want you to be extremely discerning, almost to the point of just being ruthless as to where you do and do not spend your time, especially, I mean, really with anybody, frankly, like friends, but you know, obviously I'm talking about romantic partners or potential partners here. And then I want you to be super discerning about where you spend your money and where you don't spend your money. Make it a goal to find $100 in your budget right? Like in the money that you're spending, make it a goal to find $100. Where are you spending $100 either on something you didn't even realize you still have some some subscription going? Or where are you spending $100 on things you don't even give a shit about? You don't even like spending the money there because you don't even like going out. You don't even like doing this or doing that or whatever it is. And then where, what would you do with that $100, right? Could you pay off debt faster? Could you start saving for an emergency fund? Could you put more towards your retirement? The power of compounding interest is real, right? So This is where you get into a place where you run your money, you run your time, you run your life, rather than having other people run that for you. Because when you're deriving your self-worth or your ability to feel good or confident or whatever it is by either your money or by whether or not someone likes you or by your body size, those are the three things I talked about where we derive our worth, then I'm just going to say life is going to be a lot harder. It's going to feel a lot more like a roller coaster. I'm not saying that when you run everything that life is all you know, rainbows and glitter and all that kind of stuff, you know, things can still come up, things can still be hard. Um, Things will be hard, but it's so, so much more manageable. And I want that more than anything for you. 
Okay, so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about money and dating and marriage and relationships. And also I'm going to throw some divorce in there. So it's going to be a really juicy episode. Um, I'm super excited to talk about it. And basically where the idea of this episode is coming from is I get a lot of, not necessarily questions, but like a lot of my clients have this ultimate deal breaker of like, if someone is still divorced, not going there, like not going to date, or excuse me, still married and not divorced, then, you know, not going there, not going to date that person. It's an automatic out. And I'm like, maybe that works for you, but here's another perspective. And so I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to tie in some money to that as well, because you can't not talk about marriage and divorce when you and, and not talk about money, in my humble opinion. Um, but I would like to talk about money more on the show. So I would love to know your thoughts to this, your questions, your reactions. Like, does this make you feel like, oh, or does it make you feel like, oh, this feels exciting or something else? Would love to know. I would also love to know questions you have about money, both the practical, tangible, like where should I put my money? Where should I spend money? What should I do with my money? How should I invest? And also the intangible, like, money scares me. I'm really uncomfortable with it. I feel like I'm not, or whatever it is. Like, I would love to know questions around that. So you can send me an email, support at veronicagrant.com and share away. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, Veronica E. Grant, and send me a DM. I would really love to hear your thoughts, your questions, all that kind of stuff. I'm even going to have some people come onto the show and be coached around their money mindset, money issues, money stuff, all that kind of all those kind of things. So if you are actually interested in that as well, then um, just go to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there you'll see a link to um, apply and schedule to be coached on my show. All right, everyone, that is a wrap for today's episode. I'm really excited for next week's episode. I've got a it's not really a coaching episode. It's actually how my client was able to use a lot of this inner work to drastically shift her love life. So I'm really excited for you to listen to that. And then again, in two weeks, we'll talk about the business of dating, marriage, divorce, all of those kinds of things. And then again, if you want to work with me inside the Love Incubator which is my one-on-one program with a group experience. Again, it's by far the most economical way to work closely with me. Plus you get the added benefit of working with a group of amazing women. Um, so to to learn more, read all the details, pricing options, dates, all that kind of stuff, and also to schedule your incubator exploratory call, which is required of everyone to join, um, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. And again, I will put that link in the show notes. And if you want to listen to my episode last year about money, I will put that link in the show notes as well. All right, my dear, that's all I got for you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 